Hey, so in the Sermon Sunday, we looked at the triumphal entry. We looked at Psalm 2 and, and the idea that uh, Jesus walking into Jerusalem or riding into Jerusalem triumphantly was a product of his knowing, of the assurance of the promise of God for his life, that he would be the conquering king, that he would be made Lord of all, that he would rise above all, that that he would take his throne on Mount Zion and bring um, many sons and daughters to God. And, and you know, that, that idea of assurance is that not so much that we need to be confident in our ability to create a certain outcome, but that we trust the one who holds all the outcomes so that we can thrive in any outcome. And oftentimes the world tells us confidence is the route. And what you see in, in our day-to-day -day lives is people who um, want their confidence to shine forth. And so they, they act assured of themselves when they probably shouldn't be, in times when they shouldn't be. I heard a quote one time that said, uh, bragging is the fool's idea of glory. And we all kind of live in that sometimes where we make much of ourselves and it feels kind of glorious to us. That's a product of self-confidence. And I wonder when we live into that self-confidence, you know, I can do anything and, and, and I'm an overcomer and I can strive and I can, I can defeat the enemies that are before me and I can establish this place where I have some control and, and I can fill my, my coffers, so to speak, with glory and, and dollars and comfort and all those things. I wonder sometimes if when we say all that stuff, we're really just trying to convince ourselves. Because underneath it all, we all know that there's a limit to what we can make happen. There's a limit to what we can achieve. And there's a limit to our own security. And there's a limit to, to how significant we can make ourselves. And, and the exact opposite of that is the assurance of God. The, the idea that Jesus had, he prayed it in the garden. You know, nevertheless, let your will be done. And, and his sense of, my Father has promised this so I can walk into that. And it's that word, that, that little word we talked about in the sermon, yet. You know, is this what I want life to be? Well, no, not yet. But I trust that it will be. Do I have the security of God? Not yet. You know, I'm unsafe. But there's a yet to come. There are things in my life that are difficult and hard. I don't know that I can get through them yet. And I think that, that word yet does two things. Number one, it reminds us that the outcomes are always God's, and He'll do with them what He will. But it also reminds us, when I ask the question, am I who I want to be? Not yet. Am I who God made me to be? Not yet. So there's an element of transformation in the yet. Think of the freedom that comes with viewing your own transformative process with the word yet. It alleviates that idea of self-confidence making me strive harder to make something of myself and knowing that God is doing in me. He's putting the very mind of Christ in me. Do I have it? Not yet, but I will. He's cleansing me, making me as white as snow. Am I clean? Not yet, but I will be. And, and that's why that verse in Revelation 21, those verses in Revelation 21, starting at uh, verse 1, 
I think are something that we can cling to, that we can hang on to, that we can look at and say, I know the outcome. And so I'm going to let the yet of that outcome be in this moment of turmoil, of trial. And then I think what happens is what James invites us into. When we live in the yet of God's glorious outcome, then we can consider it joy when we face every trial. Because here's the thing. The assurance of God's promises, the yet that they are to come, allows us to never feel as if our present circumstances are somehow derailing that. It's just not possible for our present circumstances to derail the outcome that God is bringing. So I want to read these verses to you again. It's the first five verses. Then I'm going to skip around a little bit, or excuse me, the first four verses. And so verse 1 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And these verses always remind me of an experience that I think illustrates the yet. It's an experience when our middle daughter was in kindergarten and she fell off of some monkey bars and broke her arm. She broke it pretty badly. She broke her tibia and fibula, both bones. And they took her, we took her to the hospital and they were going to set the bone. And the doctor came out and said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give her conscious sedation. We're going to set the bone and, and then we're going to cast it. And my wife said, can we be in there? And immediately my eyes got as big as saucers because I knew what conscious sedation was. And I looked at her and I said, probably not, nor do we want to be in there. And so the doctor said, yeah, no, you're not allowed in there. So we went and sat in the waiting room of the emergency department. It had these big doors that were automatic. And every time the doors opened, we could hear her screaming for us as they set the bones in her arm. And they'd close. And we were just beside ourselves. It's, there's something about, here, and I hope most of you have never experienced this in any way, shape, or form, but there's something about hearing the anguish of your child calling out to you in pain. And it wrecked us. Eventually they got done. They had the, the bone set. They had the cast on. We The doctor came out and got us, brought us back into the exam room where they casted her, and all the screaming was gone. All the pain was gone. She looked at us, she held up her arm, and said, look, I got a pink one. She was excited about a pink cast. I think that this verse in Revelation 20, these verses in Revelation 21, are kind of like conscious sedation. That it hurts now. It's painful now. We all have things in our lives that are difficult. But if we trust what God is doing, the way we had to trust that doctor, even when we heard the screams, we had to trust that doctor. It would have been horrible for our daughter for us to burst in there and say, this must stop. I think the idea of conscious sedation is a pretty good analogy of what life is like for us now.
the yet is the moment where we come out of the experience of this world, the pain of this world, and we step into the place where God dwells with us. The assurance is that that will happen. No matter what you face today, no matter what you're standing in today, that will happen. And the difference between self-confidence and assurance is simply this. In the pain, in the difficulty of this present moment in my life, in this world, I can stand on the promises of Revelation 21. Or I can decide that I must engage my best efforts, my most cunning wiles, my wits, my abilities, and change this thing somehow. And the truth of it is, most people find themselves worn out, exhausted, burned out, overwhelmed because they're trying to change the outcomes right now in their own strength and power. Instead of saying, God, you are God, and it will be whatever it will be in your hands. But I know this, that at the end of it all, when the, when the sedation of this life wears off and you bring me out of it, I'm going to stand in your presence. You're going to dwell among me. And there's not going to be any more tears. And the joy will be overwhelming. And, and, and so that's not so much how to find assurance. If you, if you want to go a little bit deeper in how to find assurance, join us Wednesday when, for our practice minute when we talk about the practice of living into assurance. But I want this to be more a moment of foundation that you can stand on in the difficulties and the hardship. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with major things in your life right now. Knowing Revelation 21 verses 1 through 4 is not going to make those things stop. But it might give you the capacity to do what Paul said when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes those all things are not grand gestures or, or tremendous efforts for the kingdom of God. Sometimes those all things are simply just being able to stand in the brokenness, the chaos, the hurt of everyday life. I know for a lot of us, we've been there. I know for a lot of us, we're probably there right now. But maybe, maybe this picture of this glorious new heaven and new earth coming down from God and Him dwelling with us is a foundation that you can cling to in the difficulties when you feel like You've got to get on the treadmill and make something different happen. And so I want to encourage you to maybe make these verses a memory verse. Maybe put them on the bathroom mirror or um, put them on a card in your pocket. If you're going through a tough time, to be able to tap into that in your heart and mind and say to your soul, No, my soul, you will not be overcome by these things. For God is creating a new heaven and a new earth where He may dwell among you. And He will wipe all the tears from your eyes. And there'll be no more pain. So I think assurance is rooted really in that. Assurance isn't rooted in what God's doing for me or in me in this moment. Assurance is rooted in knowing what God will do in the final moments of this world. And that's Revelation 21, 1-4.
So I hope that's helpful. I hope it gives you a platform to stand on in some, some uh, sorrows and griefs and hurts and being overwhelmed. And I think this week is the perfect week for us to remember exactly what Jesus was riding towards on the back of that donkey on Palm Sunday, but also how he rode towards it. Because I believe we can ride towards our own crucibles of pain and sorrow and suffering the same way he did on Palm Sunday with assurance. Let me pray for you before you go into your groups and have some great discussion time. Father, we're so grateful that we can stand on the foundation of, of this assurance from Revelation 21, knowing that all of this leads to you dwelling with us and us dwelling with you. There's nothing that can stop it. There's nothing that can thwart it. And with you is how we will spend all eternity. And I love later in the chapter uh, 21 of Revelation where it talks about there's no need for a sun because you are there and you are the light. And so God, give us a glimpse of that. Give us a taste of that as we need it in the moments of life that are hard and difficult and we don't know what to do. Give us a taste of that light, that perpetual eternal light, which is your presence. And we ask all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you go into your discussion time and, and run through the questions that Pastor James gave you, I want to remind you that Thursday from 9 to 5, we'll have a prayer vigil uh, set up. You can come and go as you please in the prayer room. Friday at 6.30, we'll have a Good Friday service. And then Saturday morning at 11, we'll have an Easter Saturday service. And then Sunday at 10, we'll have our Easter Sunday service. Now, here's the thing. You want to be early on Sunday. You want to get in and get a seat so that you don't miss the opening of the service. Have a great time in your group. Thanks a lot.